You're listening to The Pastor's Cut, a podcast from Park Community Church in Chicago. Every time a pastor prepares a sermon, there's material that influences, shapes, and informs, but gets cut from the final preach. That's why we started The Pastor's Cut, to give you a chance to go behind the scenes and access the content that informs the teaching at Park each week. If you're wanting to grow in your understanding of and fascination with the Bible, you've come to the right place. This is The Pastor's Cut. Hey everyone, we have quite the treat this week. Trevor is still out of town on July 4th vacation. Just for the day. day. (laughs) And I am... Joined by my co-host today, Joe Riccardi, who and just, colleague, yeah. yeah, colleague too. Um, he was on a couple of weeks ago and wanted the privilege of coming back. And so now he's uh, my co-host today. Welcome. This will go down as one of the great joys and honors <laughs> of my life to co-host this podcast with you, Sharon. This yeah. is quite a fun experience. So I've been looking forward to this. I'm really fired up to do this um, when you offer me that thousand uh, dollar honorarium that made it a little bit <laughs> kidding it was only 750 <laughs> kidding if you're listening it's free um and so yeah really fired up to do this and interview can i say who it is yeah who do we have this week joining us his name is it's not james though it is it's jamie formerly it is james it is former it's formerly james yeah my series says it bore kick but it's actually borchick james borchick from the great state of ohio a graduate of the Miami University of Ohio. And so really glad to have Jamie Borchek, who uh, labors both with Park Community Church at our South Rogers Park location, but then also works for a great organization called Athletes in Action, mm-hmm. and where he ministers to college students all over the Chicagoland area. So Jamie, really glad that you're here with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. And thanks for the awesome honorarium that you're giving me and taking me to lunch today, right. Joe. <laughs> We're going big. We're going big today. Yeah. We're going big. Are you going to Home Slice? No, I can't. You bought me Home week. Slice I, last week. Home Slice is the best, so. I, I bought him Home Slice last week, yeah. and can I just Home Slice is the best. Home Slice Happy Camper. If you're listening, you've never gone to one of those spots. Those Joe are my will guys. take you there. Uh, Joe will take you, you there. You got to go. Anybody who wants go. lunch, Joe will treat Reach you. Reach out to me. Send me an email, and we'll do a lunch at Home Slice. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> well, we are glad that you are here today with us. For anyone that missed your sermon, we would love just a quick recap of what you preached on this weekend. Yeah, so I had uh, Exodus fifteen twenty two to seventeen seven, and it's it's an awesome uh, unit of scripture. It all kind of fits together, and it starts off in chapter fifteen. Um, the Israelites finish this beach party, celebrating you know what God has just done and leading them across the Red Sea. They're celebrating, they're banging tambourines, having a ball, and then three days later, they start grumbling in the wilderness, complaining, saying, mm-hmm. "Where's the water?" God mixes up some Kool-Aid for them, uh, turns some bitter water sweet. They have a, you know, they drink, they're hydrated, they feel good. Um, and God says in that moment, uh, I'm going to test you. Um, I'm going to, he puts a statute and a rule in front of them to test them so they can learn to trust him, so they can learn to rely on him. And so he's bringing them into the desert in order to teach them, hey, I'm good. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to, I'm going to look out for you. Um, and then there's a series of three consecutive scenes, starting at Mara, where the water's bitter, where they grumble and complain. Then they go into the wilderness, and a few, you know, little time passes, and they grumble, where's the food? They're mm-hmm. hungry, they want food. God makes it rain chicken and waffles on them. You have uh, <laughs> quail from heaven and manna, which oh, is sweet bread. It's chicken and waffles, good. that's what it is. That's awesome. And so God provides for them again. And then what do they do? They, uh, they hoard it, and then they don't rest when he tells them to rest. 
and then they complain again. They're uh, hungry, thirsty, say, where's the water again? And yet again, God provides, and uh, the whole thing culminates. You have these three scenes of grumbling and testing God, and it all builds up to the scene where um, God calls the leaders out in front of the people, kind of sets up a courtroom scene where he puts them on trial. And uh, it's just one of the most awesome things in this whole text in chapter 17. Um, God says, Moses and the elders step forward and God stands on a rock in front of all of them. And it's like you're in a courtroom and uh, God tells Moses to bring his staff, the staff of judgment that he used to strike mm. Egypt. And, um, and he says to Moses, strike. And what you expect as you're reading is strike the people. They've been grumbling, complaining, testing me, quarreling with me. Yeah. Strike the people. They deserve judgment. Strike them. But God doesn't say that. Instead, he says, strike the rock. Strike the rock. And who's standing on the rock? Well, God is. Mm -hmm. So he says, strike me. I'll take the judgment that they deserve. And, and from that rock, as he is struck, the innocent one is struck, flows provision for the people. Water comes out of the rock. He meets their needs. And it's this beautiful gospel picture of, you know, God says, we're the guilty ones. We deserve judgment. Right. And yet he says, strike Jesus, strike the innocent one. And from him flows the provision that we need. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And so that, that was the big idea in the whole thing. As wonderful as that is, Jamie, we, we know, or I know as a preacher too, that a lot of times you can't bring everything that you've learned um, to your folks on a Sunday because you'd be preaching for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I know you guys preach for a long time at Rogers Park as <laughs> yeah. it is, but oh, yeah. it'd be yeah. really, really long. And <laughs> yeah. so is there maybe something that stood out in your uh, preparing time that you thought, oh, wow, this is either perplexing to me that I, I don't really know enough about it. I wish I knew more or like, wow, I do know a lot about this. This is wonderful, but I just can't bring it to the people on Sunday because it just, it would take me down another angle. That would be more fitting of a part two sermon, which I don't believe you have. So what, what maybe comes to mind that really got cut? Yeah, well, so where, where I decided to emphasize uh, in this whole thing was on remembering, um, remembering God's provision, remembering him taking care of the people. The way you pass the test is by remembering. But, but the other piece mm. of it is uh, relying on God mm. um, and, and relying on him for specific things. And if I had a whole nother week to sit in these chapters, yeah. I would have zoomed in on chapter 16. Mm. Um, and in chapter 16 in particular, um, there's three things that he wants people to rely on him for. One is to rely on him for provision, for daily bread, trusting mm -hmm. him to meet their needs today. Um, and talking about what does that look like for us? Um, two is to rely on him for rest, um, actually stopping, taking a Sabbath, mm -hmm. um, trusting that God's gonna meet your needs even when you take a full day off mm. uh, in a tangible way. And then third is uh, relying on him, trusting him forever. Um, there, there's this picture of manna being saved in a jar at the end of it, just a reminder of God's past provision for future generations looking ahead. Um, and so just relying on him indefinitely on into the future forever. So yeah. that, that's what I, if I had all another week, I would have uh, anchored there and fleshed that out. Cause I think that'd be really practical for a lot of our people. Yeah, you said uh, relying on him for a tangible rest. Right. What does that look like for our folks? What What are some things that we can do every week to rest from work and rely on God for that day? Maybe you could start first with yourself. What does that look like for yeah. you and Kinsey in your life, in your marriage with your children? Yeah, well, um, I don't think we do it particularly well. Um, it, this any Anytime I'm... Uh, working through scripture and I come across the idea of rest, of Sabbath, 
um, there's a, a significant level of conviction um, and, and longing, I think, for the rest that God offers. Yeah. You know, he, um, one of the unique things that you see in the book of Exodus is this idea of the Sabbath. Um, in world history, uh, that was not a, a thing. Um, a seven day week where you're taking a day off to rest, like that, that's an innovation that comes about via God's people, via the, the Hebrews historically. Um, and so for, uh, this is something that God implements, this rhythm of work and rest, six days on, one day off. And um, for me personally, uh, you know, Joe, you mentioned in kind of the introduction, like I have, a, I have my day job with Athletes in Action where I'm working in campus ministry and then my, my uh, side hustle, um, <laughs> uh, preaching my at, job, at yeah. Park, my, my other role at, at Park, it's definitely not a, not a hustle. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, having the complexity of that, we've got uh, two young kids, a third one on the way in a couple of weeks. Um, even the last couple of weeks, uh, we were in the midst of a home. We had to tear apart our basement and oh, move wow. out of our house and live at Jason and Lindsay Lalone's house for, for two weeks while we uh, tried to fix some water problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the midst of all of that, like rest is hard to come by. Wow. And yet you're in this text and you see mm -hmm. God say, stop. Yeah. Trust me to get seven days worth of work done in six days. It's so hard. How do you yeah. do that? Yeah. It's hard. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't have great answers to that for how to do it practically, but that, that principle, we need it and um, I need it. Yeah. Especially with the generation you're working with, right? Especially with Athletes in Action, but also at Rogers Park, it, it does seem to be a very foreign concept. Like I need, I need God's rest, right? So how would you, I know you just said publicly, you shared it, that you struggle with it. How are you going to counsel though someone then? Someone comes up to you and says, Jamie, what does this look like for me? Whether I be a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a student at Northwestern, a young professional who's 27 years old in the marketplace, working 60 hours a week. Can you give at least maybe some tangible nuggets where, uh, yeah, where someone could just begin the journey? Yeah. Well, I think... Um, <clears throat> So there's a, uh, a pressure that I think we put on ourselves to always be doing more culture, say, to say yes to more things. It looks good on a resume. It, yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it, you can, you can boast to people when you're in conversation, like, yo, I work right. 80 hours a week. No, I work right. 90 hours a week. I work more yeah, than you. And that's yeah. a badge of honor that we wear. That's right. Um, and it's, it's twisted though. Right. Like that's pretty sick. Um, and, and I think a practical thing is flexing your no muscle. <laughs> being willing to say no to things, yeah. being no, willing to say no to good opportunities. And, and for a Christian in particular, for someone who's following Christ, to embrace the reality that God has not called you to do more than what you can do in the six days of work. Yeah. Mm. You know, if, if, you're do, if you're doing more than that, when you're saying I have too much, like I can't, I can't take a day off, if you're saying that, then you've committed to too many things mm. and you need to back, like God has not called you to do all of that. He has not called you to work seven days. He's called you to work six and rest one. Mm -hmm. um, that's the principle that you need to put into practice. Now, actually doing it is a lot harder. What does it look like for you, Joe? I mean, yeah. how, how, do, how do you implement that? I think, I think I'm think i challenged like you and uh, I'm curious to hear from Sharon as well. It does become something, I think, I forgot what chapter in Hebrews, but he talks about strive to enter the rest. So it actually takes work because we are so hardwired. Like it feels weird to be doing nothing, like to have a day where you have nothing planned and be like, something doesn't feel right. So mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I don't do it well either, uh, but I, I, I try to have days where on a weekly basis where it's literally just, it's Joe day. So whether that means sleeping in a little bit, devotion time, maybe a workout, reading, meeting friends. I like Costco, so I might go to Costco. That, that gives me life. So, um, but I, I try to do that. No, I can't, I can't say I do it perfectly every week. I need to do a better job. What I've noticed lately is, even taking a rest, especially from like Instagram and Facebook, like naughty, it's just so easy to quickly flick and be like, okay, I got five minutes in the car, it's a red light, let me check quickly, yeah. uh, you know, or I'm at a table waiting for a friend, let me just check, you know, it's like, it just becomes habit, yeah. where it's like, you just, all I know is, okay, pick, it's just, it's, pick it up, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really grow in that, so even talking now about this, that needs to be incorporated, especially in my, my rest day, where it's like, Joe, you're not even glancing and you know at it for a minute. It's, it's zero, and mm-hmm. yeah. life will go on. Facebook will go on without you. Yeah. Instagram will go on without you for a day. And again, I'm not consumed by it, but I could see where I just have these quick little habits to take quick little looks. Where yeah, it, it does. It doesn't cause me rest though. After I do it, it's not like I feel rested. Yeah. Sharon, what about you? Those are yeah, really good things. I think our thumbs automatically are drawn to apps, That's and right. it's it's not even uh, in our consciousness. It's it's I don't even know where it comes from but um I think I'm not as intentional as I want to be about rest on the weekends I try to incorporate things that I enjoy um whether it's working out I actually enjoy cleaning and mm-hmm. letting my apartment be yeah. pretty uh cooking things like, like that yeah. so some vegan so, cooking though yeah to some people those would be uh chores or tasks or work but uh, they give me life, like you said, Costco does for you. And so um, I think I incorporate those things, but I think I I wish I had more intentionality of bringing God into the picture of it mm-hmm. rather than just recharging or yeah. doing sharing time. Right. So, One of the most uh, helpful resources that I've come across in the last few years, and just personally, um, Andy Crouch has a book called The TechWise Family. And in it, he lays out some principles applying kind of the Sabbath rest principle to technology in particular, but uh, it applies a lot more broadly. And um, one of the things that he and his family have done is uh, one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year of tech-free living. Hmm. And so when he walks in the door for dinner time, uh, all the devices in the family go off in one area. And that, that's something my, my family has started implementing, like meal times around the that table, so no devices, you know, screen free. Yeah. And then, so at least one hour a day where there's no interruptions in that. Um, what we haven't gotten to is the full one day a week, but I, I've at least tried to no email and at least hard. one day a week. It is, it's so hard because it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I want to text my wife and coordinate plans or FaceTime my parents who live a few states away. But trying to say no to technology, trying to shut that stuff down, um, going to bed before, or putting my devices to bed before I go to bed. <laughs> so keep my phone in a different room away from where I'm sleeping, just trying to get better rest. Don't check ESPN from yeah. last time, which yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. No Bible, no iPhone. That's one of my one of my life principles that helps What's build that? daily What's rest. The principle? No. no Bible, no iPhone. So until I've picked up my Bible, until I've read oh, scripture in the morning, good. I don't I don't pick up my phone. Um, I'm not looking at it. So it's not the first thing I look at in the morning. It's not the last thing I look at at night. Oh, but I'm beginning and preach. ending the day. Um, Bring it. Trying to cultivate relationship with Bring God it. and stir my heart to worship and focus and yeah. yeah. That's a really great 
challenge for all of us. Who's signing with who in the NBA? Right. Though there are some incredible things going on in the NBA. There are some incredible things, but that's not going to stir your soul to worship. Yes. Because Kawhi and Paul George are now with the Clippers. Right. You know? <laughs> yes. Even yes. though the NBA now is fair, finally even playing. Yeah, them. although LeBron is still the best player in the league. In the university, I think. Just saying. In the universe, okay. ever. Actually, the best player ever. I don't know what you guys are talking Especially about. Especially when he was so. with the Cavs, the best player ever. Uh, yeah, he's old now. <laughs> Go Cavs. <laughs> was there anything else from your sermon that got cut? Yeah. Um, the other thing, just a practical principle for remembering um, I didn't have space to, to really flesh this out, but if, if you're going to trust God in the future, you have to remember what he's done for you in the past. Kind of like, uh, it's kind of like fingerprints on your refrigerator. You know, my, my kids, we have a stainless steel, steel refrigerator. Oh and so like my kids, <laughs> we know when they've been there, you know, like you, you just, you don't have to see them actually do it. You just, you know, they've been there cause you see the evidence yep. and God puts his fingerprints all over the refrigerators of our lives, but we're so bad at remembering That's that at like looking at the fingerprints. And if we're going to trust him for, provision tomorrow, we have to remember his provision yesterday. We have to look at the fingerprints on the refrigerators of our lives. The cross is the greatest evidence of that. So when all else fails, you've got that to look at. Yeah. But how do you sure. tangibly remember what God has done in the past? And one of the principles that I've implemented um, every year, kind of at the end of a ministry cycle uh, with guys I've been discipling, we'll do a rocks of remembrance thing. So biblical theology, you see the Israelites all over the desert, leaving piles of rocks yeah. to yeah. remember, hey, we crossed this body of water. God showed up in this place, you know, little monuments. And then yeah. you know, Jesus builds in the Lord's Supper as one. Like every every week or every mm -hmm. couple weeks, Christians all over the world are remembering. They're doing this tangible act of remembering. And so we've done the, these, uh, every at the end of a ministry cycle, we've done these rocks remembrance where I get styrofoam cups and pens and I'll have guys and I'll, I'll do it. I've got probably 12 or 13 styrofoam cups now that have just reminders of what God has done in the course of year. I'll just remember, I'll write names, I'll write things that happened, people mm -hmm. who came to faith, ways I saw God provide financially or uh, meet a need or give mm -hmm. direction or whatever. And just, and, and when I'm, when I'm questioning, when I'm struggling, when I'm wondering where God is, I can go look, I've got this stack of styrofoam cups that um, are, are a kind of treasured possession, a, a monument to what God has done in my life and funny. where I can look yeah. back and see, wow, he, he showed up. He's been faithful over and over again. Oh, I forgot about that. I remember this thing now. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And that helps me to trust him tomorrow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really good. It's you can do that through journaling too. If anyone out there is a journaler and looking back on the ways that God's moved in your life or even I grabbed coffee with someone a couple of weeks ago and just shared my story and you see God just, a lot. Yeah. you know, you, you yeah. see him in all of that and you forget about it on the day to day because I don't, that's a lot to yeah. think through. And so it's really cool just to, I wish I remembered the quote from Don Carson's book. He has a two-part devotional for the love of God, part one and part two, which I recommend for anyone uh, for your Bible reading, um, reading through the Bible in a year. It's just incredible. But in one of those devotions, he, he comments exactly on that. Like, how are we bringing to mind? He says it so powerfully, remembering what God has done in our lives so that we'd be faithful today. You know, what, what are the ways we're doing that? Kind of like you just gave an example Obviously, it doesn't have to be styrofoam cups, um, but there are a thousand other ways, whether it be journaling or others, but there needs to be tangible ways we're remembering he's faithful. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and God uses that to imprint that in our yeah. hearts. Yeah. And, and personally, you know, I, I talked about the kind of craziness the last couple of weeks where we're in the midst of this housing situation with our basement and shambles and, mm. you know, my kids and pregnant wife, who, my wife's having a baby in two weeks. Mm. And, you know, so all that going on. 
and this text, you know, there was a lot that we could have grumbled about during the last couple weeks, yeah. you know, complain about the situation. And I feel like God had me here personally, just perspective on all of it. Like looking back, wow, like all the people who came and stepped up and helped with this whole situation, the fact that we had friends who were out of town who we could stay at their house, um, you know, the ways that he met financial needs in it, like all of that. Like there's so much, there, there's stuff that I can look at it from one perspective of just complaining and grumbling and being upset about it. Or I can look and say, wow, here are all the fingerprints of God on this situation. Wow, he's been here, he's been there. Mm. He's, he's meeting our needs. He's faithful, he's faithful, Amen. he's faithful. And that's what I want to remember. And, and I want our, our people to remember, to yeah. look at him and see his faithfulness and trust him tomorrow. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks Joe for co-hosting yeah, it's been with a real me joy. today. And thank you, Jamie, just for those great little nuggets that were cut out of your sermon, some really good spiritual formation content for Amen. everyone listening today. So thanks again, guys. Yeah, yeah. And thank joy. you, thanks for having me, it's yeah. a joy. Blessings. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this fun episode. Trevor will be back next week to co-host with me. And we will have our guest, Phil Adams, from the Rogers Park region joining us as well. As a reminder, this podcast is something we are trying out for the summer. So we want to know what you think. If you like what you're listening to, we would love for you to leave us a comment and rate us five stars. So we will see you next week.